Welcome to Books and Beyond with your host, Alison. Join us for half an hour of information, entertainment, reading recommendations and beyond. Brought to you by Auckland Libraries. I know this girl and she works in a library standing there behind the counter. You may write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still, like dust, I'll rise. Does my sassiness upset you? Why are you beset with gloom? Because I walk like I've got oil wells pumping in my living room. Just like moons and like suns with the certainty of tides, just like hopes springing high, still I'll rise. Did you want to see me broken? Bowed head and lowered eyes, shoulders falling down like teardrops, weakened by my soulful cries. Does my haughtiness offend you? Don't you take it awful hard? Cause I laugh like I've got gold mines digging in my own backyard. You may shoot me with your words, you may cut me with your eyes, you may kill me with your hatefulness, but still, like air, I'll rise. Does my sexiness upset you? Does it come as a surprise that I dance like I've got diamonds at the meeting of my thighs? Out of the huts of history's shame, I rise. Up from a past that's rooted in pain, I rise. I'm a black ocean leaping and wide, welling and swelling, I bear in the tide. Leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I rise. Into a daybreak that's wondrously clear, I rise. Bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave, I am the dream and the hope of the slave. I rise, I rise, I rise. No my Haidamai Kiara and welcome to Books and Beyond. This is your host Alison and I'm joined in the studio today by Karen who has just read this Ode to the Power of Black Women and um, in fact all women written by the late great Maya Angelou as we celebrate International Women's Day 2020. Kia ora, Karen. Kia ora, Alison. Thanks for reading that. That was so beautiful and happy International Women's Day which um, is IWD for short. Uh, I guess that's a bit like our DFW and DDM, although I should really say that DFW has no place on today's show, does he? So now this year's theme for IWD is Each for Equal. Um, which even has oh, its own right. hashtag. The hashtag, yeah, that's right. Hashtag Each for Equal. And Each for Equal means... Let's all be each for equal. An equal world is an enabled world. And uh, it's explained like this on on the website uh, for IWD. And they say we can actively choose to challenge stereotypes, fight bias, broaden perceptions, improve situations and celebrate women's achievements. Great sentiment, huh? Yeah, I really like the way the verbs have been chosen to work for all of us, no matter how much power we have in our individual lives. They don't say we will overturn or we will eliminate. They say we will challenge and we will fight, and we can all do that. Yep, I totally agree. And so on today's show, we thought we'd look at the achievements of some women who embody this 
the sentiment in various ways. Now, I'd like to start, if I may, with one of the most admired women in the world today, uh, and that is Michelle Obama. Yes, well, you certainly may, Alison. Uh, very well chosen. Actually, the most admired woman in the world in multiple polls for the last two years, possibly even more. Probably even longer. Do you know, she's the woman that I would have for dinner um, or have with dinner, dinner with. With dinner with. <laughs> I would have that sounds really dodgy, doesn't it? Although she's very attractive. Um, I would have dinner <laughs> with her if I could choose. You know, if I could choose that one person in the world to have at your dinner table. Yes, join me <laughs> at the dinner table. Now, her memoir is called Becoming, and um, it's about finding your voice amongst other things. And I think it's been the most heavily requested book in the Auckland libraries that yeah, you've I'm ever not had. Sure, if it's has it beaten Harry Potter, it may have. I think it did. Yeah, yeah, which is is great. Um, and now her story is one about um, overcoming adversity. It's about resilience, drive, and hope and courage in the face of absolutely unrelenting criticism, um, both racism and sexism, and what they call racialized sexism, too. She's just had a terrible criticism over the years. and But throughout her time in the White House, she just kept living her truth, and she really embodied, embodied the values of service to her country. And, you know, I always loved that quote of hers um, when they were... Uh, uh, when they go low, they go, yeah. I knew you were yes, reaching when they that, go yeah. low, we go high. When they go low, we, we go, go high. high. And they went so low, you know, I remember. The, the Trump. Um, well, no, even before that, before when Trump she, when Obama, is. when they were president and first lady, um, I remember at one point, Michelle made a speech. I feel like calling her Michelle. I know, we do call her Michelle. <laughs> um, made a speech and she said it was that Barack being elected was one of the moments that she felt after a long time when she hadn't felt proud of her country it made her feel really proud proud for and the first time viciousness, or which or the she didn't say the first time ever she said like the first time in a long time mm. and the viciousness which which people jumped on that um accusing her of being un-american and hate an america hater it was just um such a a, a peep into the the racism under not yeah. even very much under the surface you know it was a real gut uh reaction against something that you were just really angry about yeah that a black woman was the first lady of the united Yes. Oh, it was awful, wasn't it? But, you know, she writes so beautifully. And um, she says, uh, towards the end of the book, um, she says, for every door that's been opened to me, I've tried to open my door for others. And here is what I have to say, finally. Let's invite one another in. Maybe then we can begin to fear less, to make fewer wrong assumptions, to let go of the biases and stereotypes that unnecessarily divide us. There's grace in being willing to know and hear others. I'm so in awe of yes. this woman. And I might just throw in, no um, no offense, Alison, you read that so beautifully, <laughs> but she also recorded the audio version of the book, and it just won the Grammy just um, a couple months ago for the best audio recording oh, of right. last year. Yeah, And I didn't realize that, I didn't know that, but, you know, I'm not surprised. Um, I could listen to her for, for hours, actually. Yeah. So um, let me leap in and say, speaking of Grammys, <laughs> it's just something that um, I 
I was when I was listening to you saying when you started, and you said and one of the most admired women in the world. And I thought for a second you were going to say Dolly Parton. Oh, yeah, <laughs> a real uh, person to hold up on International Women's Day. Yeah, um, and you know this is what I bet you don't know. The library has a book called Dolly Parton: Gender and Country Music, oh. um, which I'm actually waiting for a copy. Unfortunately, it didn't come in in time for um, this show, but. Um, which makes me very happy because it shows that it's very, that a lot of people are reading it. Um, it's about Dolly's subversion of gender tropes and how she's not just the backwoods Barbie doll, which is what the country music industry tried to place her as and would have preferred. Oh, yes, because um, any Dolly fan like myself, we know that um, she doesn't let people push her around at all, does she? No, she certainly doesn't. And she's fought every step of the way for female equality in the music industry. And, you know, I love the story of how she bought herself a car with the money from her first recording success and no one had ever thought it fit to teach her how to drive she was still quite young but you know old enough certainly old enough Mm -hmm. to have learned to drive and um she drove it to the studio the next day (laughs) without ever having had a driving lesson and crashed it into the brick wall of the recording studio um in nashville so that was for years was you know dolly's metaphor was how she crashed into the brick wall of the studio yes breaking down the the walls um now does dolly call herself a feminist? No, she actually says I'm not a feminist, but she also kind of goes like, what does it mean? Um, and, and I think it's really important to not forget that it's a class thing in that generation. Um, when she was starting out in that second wave, you know, growing up when you had the second wave of feminists happening, and that was something that happened among educated, middle class white women, um, not working class women or rural women. I call her a feminist by my definition. Yeah, and you know, she's definitely a feminist icon. Absolutely. Yeah, as well as a gay icon too. Um, And, you know, she's a champion for literacy and um, such an amazing songwriter. Yeah, that's that's especially where this gender bending that this book is about, which I will get to be able to read soon, um, is about this fact of her use of her imagery and her lyrics and her writing that um, have broken down these uh, gender tropes, you know, that she's been for years doing. Um, So anyway, but the question of moving right along, since I don't have the book, um, brings me to another person who wrote about the question of, well, not another person, another person besides you who questioned about who's a feminist and who's not a feminist. And she wrote a book. It's Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, the wonderful Nigerian writer. And she wrote... Uh, mostly novelist, but she wrote about this very question of who is a feminist in um, her 2014 book, We Should All Be Feminists. And she starts by telling about how after her first novel, Purple Hibiscus, came out, which had featured a man who beat his wife, among other things, um, a Nigerian academic told her that feminism was un-African. And she was only calling herself a feminist because she had been influenced by Western books, a woman Nigerian academic, I might say. And she said, it amused me because my early reading was very unfeminist. I must have read every single Mills and Boone romance published. (laughs) And when I try to read those books called classic feminist texts, I get bored. And then, and someone else asked her, you know, why the word feminist? Why not just say you're a believer in human rights or something like that? And she says, and she said, and she says in the book, you know, that would be dishonest, even if it's convenient and would, you know, um, on the surface be more inclusive, because it would actually be to deny that for centuries the world has divided human beings into two groups and proceeded to exclude and oppress one group. 
So, um, and I, regarding Dolly Parton, there's a wonderful part where she tells about her grandmother, who really sounded to me like a Nigerian Dolly Parton. Um, not that she was an entertainer, but in the sense that although she would never have called herself a feminist, um, and Adichie points out she didn't even know what the word, she wouldn't have ever heard the word, but she had refused an arranged marriage way back then and protested over and over when she felt she was being deprived of land or other rights because of the fact of being female. So my takeaway line, would you like to hear my takeaway line? Oh, yes, I would. My takeaway line is, um, culture doesn't make people. People make culture, which sums up this fact that, as she says, if it is true that the full humanity of women is not our culture, and it's pretty hard to say that it is, then we can and we must make it our culture. Mm. Fits in quite well with the mission statement, wouldn't you say? Yes, it it sure does. We can actively choose to challenge stereotypes, fight bias, broaden perceptions. And and just generally improve situations, yes. Oh, good on you. And um, I kind of... Good on Chimamanda. Yes, well, I was going to say good on you for... For noting that. For noting and being able to compare Dolly Parton and Chimamanda. And Chimamanda's grandmother. Yes, oh, that's right, in the same sentence. So that, that, well done you. Um, Because I've read um, her her novel Americana and it's the one that it's about a young Nigerian woman who immigrates to the to the United States post 9-11 to go to university and she starts off with such hope of living the American dream but you can imagine that the disappointment and heartbreak that waits for her there and but you know she's very honest um, about the disappointments that can be experienced by women in Nigeria as well she's just such a wonderful writer yeah and that is actually her um i don't know how i haven't read that one i read purple hibiscus but she um that was her story so she did actually grow up in nigeria and at 19 go to america to go to university Uh, yeah that's where she got the uh inspiration for now um speaking of inspiration inspirational (laughs) women um my next one i'd like to talk about jacinda ardern the story behind an extraordinary leader uh, written by michelle duff and this one's really worth a read um most of us know the story of jacinda ardern about uh, how she grew up in a country town in new zealand and became a high profile prime minister at, at a, a a young age and the book tells us the story but she was someone who was dismissed by critics in her early days they used to call her a show pony which i felt was quite cruel mm. but she you know she united the country behind her the strength the decisiveness and compassion after the the terror attacks of 2019 and united the country, united the world. Well, there was actually, all over the yes. world. People were saying, "We wish we had a leader like you, Jacinda." Yep, that's ex- you're exactly right. Yeah, and there's a quote in the book that I really love, and she says, um, "I really rebel against this idea that politics has to be a place full of ego, where you're constantly focused on scoring hits against one another." Yes, we need a robust democracy, but you can be strong and you can be kind. 
And I say, amen, sister. Yeah, you know, I was really reminded of Jacinda when Adichie says in her book, I am angry. We should all be angry. Anger has a long history of bringing about positive change. But in addition to being angry, I'm also hopeful because I believe deeply in the ability of human beings to make and remake themselves for the better. That is just beautiful. Doesn't that yes. remind you of Jacinda? Yes, it, it really does. Um, oh, yeah. Um, uh, now, I've just... Why have I lost my place? You've lost your place because I quoted (laughs) Shimanda Dishi instead of moving on to my next book, which I will now do. I threw that in there. But then my Um, computer did a thing anyway. Yeah. So So, um, my next book is, is this for women who feel the need to concentrate for now on their anger (laughs) (laughs) about the state of the world rather than perhaps the ability of human beings to make and remake themselves. And it's a book called Good and Mad, The Revolutionary Power of Women's Anger by the American journalist Rebecca Traster, which came out in 2018, so well into uh, the Donald Trump reign. And uh, rather than women's anger, I actually, my response on reading this book was women's fury Fury. might be a better word. Mm -hmm. In fact, Rebecca wants us to be able to be furies, the capital F, without our anger being mocked or delegitimized or all those other things that keep it from becoming transformative political fuel. So she isn't as big on thinking through how best to make this happen. Um, it's a manifesto. It's, and it's written at a really furious pace, if I may use that word. And the fact that she's always for hot-headedness against cool-headedness means that the insides are sort of thrown at you like someone throwing plates at you in an <laughs> argument, <laughs> rather than you being allowed to glean the insights from her argumentation. But, you know, for 250 50 pages. I'm, if we're talking about achievement, that's quite an achievement. She's got 250 pages of anger and runs through the history of anger. So you flip a page and bang, there's the French Revolution. I almost expected to see that character, you know, that old lady in A Tale of oh. Two Cities who always watches the guillotine, the executions. The, the knitting, um, like, knitting stands yeah. and knits with the names of the class enemies. Well, in her case, it's, uh, I guess they're class enemies. Yeah, the enemies of the poor in her. Um, in particular, in her case, it's her family enemies, but you know, it's the poor people's en- uh, enemies um, as she watches their heads fall. Because, you know, the thing is, manifestos can be invigorating. They're, they have to remember their manifestos. But um, this one is also handy. I must say the million historical quotes about anger provide us with some really great words. You know, that thing that we need words. And she's got all these great words like apoplectic oh how yes. long has it been since you've used apoplectic mm. in a sentence no a answer yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then she does cite this great story of gloria steinem who's telling a story about when she invited flo kennedy to oh. speak at a big woman's organizing meeting back in second wave feminism and this flo kennedy was the black female lawyer who represented the black panthers in court who sued the catholic church being Catholic herself, and orchestrated a pee-in at Harvard University when the administrators refused to acknowledge that there weren't enough women's bathrooms after the university had started, under great pressure, admitting women students. And this speaking opportunity terrified all the white middle-class feminists of the second wave, Mm -hmm. and Gloria said to uh, whoever quoted her, it went fine because, this is the quote, along with Kennedy's rage burned an incredible generosity and good humor. And I thought, what a great top three, wouldn't you say? Rage, generosity, and humor. And humor. Oh, yes. How fabulous. 
Now, I don't even know how to, to segue to the next <laughs> book that I brought with me, so I think I just won't. I won't try it. But I want to talk about um, something slightly different, and this is a book called Birthday by a woman writer called Meredith Russo, and it's fiction. Now, I've chosen this book uh, today because I really admire Meredith Russo as an author and as a person. Now, she's a trans woman who was born and bred in Tennessee, and she seems to be someone who really lives her truth, and I admire that about her. She writes young adult fiction, and um, hers definitely seems to be auto-fiction, I would, would say. Her books are hugely popular, and I think... That's because she's she always writes from a really authentic lived experience. Now, birthday is a, a coming of age story about two best friends who are called Morgan and Eric, and they um, live in Tennessee. They call their town Nowheresville, um, just between themselves. That could be what Dolly called her hometown. Oh, it might be. <laughs> yes, yeah. And so Morgan and Eric fall in love, uh, but. As we know, love can be very complicated, and especially when you're dealing with some of these complex identity issues in a very small conservative town. Specifically gender identity in this case, yeah. Yes, actually, yes, true. And I really like the quote from the character Morgan when she's swimming. I'm holding my breath, hovering between wavering sunlight and deep, dark blue, arms twirling while my feet kick up and down, slow as tides. I'm not ready to go back up. Too much waits for me above the surface. But I know I can't just float forever. Life always forces you to move, one way or the other, whether you're bursting into sunlight or swimming down. So, yeah, it's a real really brave book by a woman who's working to broaden perceptions, um, basically by living her own truth. So how did you, this might be curious, how did you discover this book? I've never heard of it, but it sounds really good. Yeah, well, actually, um, a library colleague recommended her to me. And um, so basically the good old word of mouth, um, which is a powerful thing in the book world, isn't mm-hmm. it? In the yeah. library world, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so how to spread words about interesting women. I've brought along a book of the type I call Inspire Girls with Stories About Famous Badass Women. And I'm sure lots of people are aware of this publishing trend, especially if you um, frequent libraries where we have many of them, which took off a few years ago after the success of Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls. Do you remember that book? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to believe it now. These books are such a constant stream coming out. But the authors of the Rebel Girls book had actually needed to crowdfund it. They had not um, secured a publishing contract. And it broke all the records for book crowdfunding. And the publishers, I would say, looked up and took notice of those dollar signs. Yeah, <laughs> and I didn't And jumped on the bandwagon, yeah. So um, I remember bringing one home, one home, sorry, I'm thinking of Books and Beyond as home. Oh, it is bringing home. one to yeah. Books and Beyond, home from the library uh, and then to Books and Beyond, which was really good, which was called Literary Witches, um, about magical women writers published in the U.S., but happily including our Janet Frame. Oh, wonderful. If you talk about magical women writers. Mm. Um, and in this book, which I brought, they're all key. Kiwi women. Um, no, I should have said they're all Kiwi women, um, including the author, who is Barbara Els. Oh. So the book is called Go Girl, a storybook of epic New Zealand women. 
And Janet Frame is here again, along with 47 others, from Finna Cooper to Lord. And I really liked her telling of Paris Gerbo's story, the part where she goes to the U.S. So I, I picked, I said, what's one story? I can just give a little nugget here to explain, to give an idea of the book. So she tells about where Paris goes to the U.S. for a dance convention. She's still in school, and she gets chosen out of thousands in the U.S. to perform in the finale. And then she comes back to Auckland. And at the first parent-teacher conference, the teacher tells her father that she needs to show, that Paris needs to show more energy and work harder. <laughs> and Barbara L. says, here's my quote, Fathers in fairy tales are sometimes harsh, or maybe they're foolish. They don't often behave like Paris's father, nor do a lot of fathers in real life. Thanks, goodbye, he said to the teacher. And then he told Paris, you're leaving school. Dance is your career. Oh, isn't that wonderful? <laughs> what a great dad. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, within two years, she was New Zealand street dance choreographer of the year and dancer of the year. Yeah. Of Within two years of him saying, you're thanks, leave. goodbye. <laughs> We're leaving. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Now, um, uh, now I hope Georgina Bias. Uh, yes, she that certainly oh, is. God. Yeah, because um, the book that I've read, well, I read it when it first came out about 20 years ago, uh, is called Change for the Better, the story of Georgina Byer, and it's by Kathy Casey. Now, the author Kathy Casey is also a strong, kick-ass woman, and she's a real supporter of libraries, isn't she? Yes, the Auckland Library, yeah, you might say. Yeah. Yes, particularly. And uh, Georgina's story is one of... Um, Absolute struggle against adversity, growing up in the 50s and 60s and coming out as transgender and then to become the mayor of a small conservative country town and a member of parliament. I I think it shows how respected she is, you know, such an authentic, honest woman that, that she was able to be elected, particularly to her Elected party. and re-elected. And re-elected, yes. Now, she's been, excuse me, she's battled ill health for the last few years, but I saw her, actually saw her a couple of weeks ago in Auckland, and she was a judge at the Wolf Dog Show, and she looked well. I was really pleased to see that, and the crowd gave her a, a huge ovation, and, you know, it just made me think, I hope she knows how much people love her. Well, she would have enjoyed seeing herself in the Barbara Ellis book where the story is called um, Georgina Byer, Politician and Trailblazer. And it, it tells about, you know, all the first things that she was, first person in the world to switch from male to female to be elected mayor, da, da, da. And then the final line is Trailblazer, classy, burning bright. Oh, isn't that fabulous? Oh, I, I wish we could go on and on. <laughs> but um, I know we're getting to the end of our time. But before we end, I do want to congratulate, talking about um, celebrating achievements, I want to congratulate a young and very talented Aucklander who is Ruby Porter on publishing her first novel last year, which is called Attraction. And I remember Ruby younger stills, so this was quite a few years back, reading a poem on the steps of Central City Library for World Refugee Day and how I was so impressed with her poem that I got her to send me a copy of it to publish in the Auckland Library's blog. Oh. And ever, you know, I've always followed her career with interest and I did have to wait a while to get my copy of the book. Um, again, I'm pleased in, in one way because it's a sign of its success. And 
also because I ha- now have it. <laughs> also, please, because I now have it in my hands, and it is really impressive. So she's got such a distinctive personal voice, and I know that doesn't just happen by chance. That, you know, the raw material is there, that could be a gift, but it takes a lot of skill and hard work to turn that voice into something which will connect with, with strangers, people who are strangers to you. And she go, does things like telling us something and then saying, oh, I made that up, and then goes on to say how she imagines it. And I thought, you know, maybe what I was missing in the midst of all that powerful anger was imagination. It's yeah. the gold standard for me, personally. Yeah, I think it always is going to be, isn't it? Yeah, imagination. That's that's wonderful. Well, we've had a lot to think about today for International Women's Day. Um, this has been great. I wish we could have had longer. Yeah. we could have gone on forever, especially when I have my coffee later on. We'll have to continue this. Um, but before we go, uh, just a reminder that the books mentioned in today's show are listed on the Books and Beyond blog, which you can access via the Auckland Library's website um, and also via the Planet FM website. So until next time, happy reading, hi da and kaki no. Bye for now. Libraries. Find us online at aucklandlibraries.govt.nz and catch the program next Sunday at 9.35pm on 104.6 FM or anytime online at planetaudio.org.nz slash books and beyond. Every day, every day, every day, every day, every day.